0: What's up, guys? Um, Episode 45 here. We haven't recorded in a long time. I've been a really bad boy. I've been on a sabbatical um, of laziness and neglect and slothfulness and general mental disarray. But we're back, and um, I'm excited. I was talking to this girl the other day, And she was giving me grief because she's like, I always listen to your episodes. I'm like, I always look forward to them. And I was like, because I was feeling kind of down, feeling like the pod wasn't doing too great and whatever, right? Just wonderful, intrusive thoughts. And I was like, you know what? I enjoy doing it. If I have one fan, I'm going to keep recording. If there's one fan always listens to my stuff, always likes it, I'm gonna keep recording, so, and I never really considered quitting. I was just, just in my head about stuff, and honestly, just, just haven't done it. But we're back. Um, I went to Greece. Gonna talk a lot about Greece today, about traveling, about, um, I don't know what makes a good trip. What makes a good destination a good vacation what is the difference between um, a good trip and a great trip what makes you know people always ask when you travel a lot when you do anything a lot if you read a lot if you watch a lot of movies whatever people always ask you what your favorites are um, you know you you say oh I've been to 19, 19 countries people want to know what your favorite one is And I have a hard time with favorites because I need a lot of qualifiers. I need a lot of caveats because like in travel, when you're talking about favorites, I'm like, okay, it really, it's hard to compare because I've been to 20 countries now. Knocked two off this last trip. Um, Barely snuck into England. Uh, We had a four hour layover on the way home and decided to snag an Uber and go see England for an hour and a half. <laughs> so we stopped in a little town called Denham. Um D-E-N-H-A-M. I think that's how you say it. Um and just got some food at a very British eatery. It was called Toby's Carvery. Like they carve the meat. So I don't know if carveries are a thing. Um in the UK, I don't know, but it was delicious. And I had the best scones I've ever had in my life. And they probably don't even call them scones in England. Because English people want to call things whatever they want to call them. You want to bring up aluminum to a Brit? It's not going to work. You want to bring up, um, like, what a shopping cart is? Forget it. They're not going to, they're not going to understand you. So they have their own words. We have our own words. We're both, we're both right. But, um, the scones were delicious and, you know, I had some ham and, um, mashed potatoes and other kinds of potatoes and some beans. And it was like, it was like, (laughs) it was funny. It was like a Thanksgiving meal. And as they, but it was like buffet style. You just decided you paid for how big your plate was. (laughs) And so... (laughs) But it was kind of silly because you could still go back and get seconds. But you paid more for a bigger plate. So it seems like if you get a bigger plate, you're just dumb. But there might have been one little perk. I think if you got a bigger plate, you got a bigger portion of meat. And I think everything else, you could go back and get more of except the meat. Maybe that was it. Um, And maybe it just saved you a trip you got a bigger plate, but, um, the people that like were dishing it out and giving me uh, my meat and, and stuff, I said, Oh, this looks like Thanksgiving, except you guys don't celebrate Thanksgiving because you don't have native Americans teaching you how to farm. And I, you know, she just looked at me like I was an idiot and that was my British experience. So haven't been to London, haven't had fish and chips, um, cause I don't like fish and haven't seen Big Ben, haven't seen Stonehenge, haven't got stabbed by anyone in the, in the subway. London's getting dangerous. I've read a lot, I've read some articles recently about how London is like really dangerous. There's a lot of muggings and stabbings and shootings and gang violence and it's like, get a get a grip. Um but anyways, back to uh traveling, talking about your favorites. Um Yeah, so so Greece and then England made 20 countries for me. So when you've traveled that much, which really isn't that much. I really have gotten the bulk of those countries in uh three trips. I think besides those three trips I have maybe five countries, maybe even less. I have the United States, Brazil, Mexico, Canada, and the Bahamas. And the rest of the European countries were knocked out in three separate trips. So, um, but yeah, after 20 countries, I find myself wondering what is my favorite place I've been? but it's so hard because I've been to all of them for different lengths of time. And the longer you're in a place, the better you get to know it, the good and the bad. Right. That's why it's like, it's impossible to rank the U S as far as like favorite countries visited. Cause I've lived here the vast majority of my life. Um, I tend to put Brazil super high, but I lived there for two years. You know, I, I learned the language. I, Absorb the culture in a much bigger way. So, and then I've been to really cool places for a day. You know, I, I went to Liechtenstein for a day, I went to Slovenia for a day. And Slovenia could be amazing, but I didn't, really didn't see much. Just kind of drove through, stopped at a gas station, um, saw a little old church, probably 400 years old, got out of the car, took some pics. Ate some candy in the street. That was pretty much my Slovenia experience. Um, but you know what? We're gonna get back to this. We're gonna get back to Greece, and uh, and favorites. But I wanted to answer some questions. I um, I made a post probably like a month ago or two months ago, saying I was gonna I was gonna put out a new a uh, new episode and answer some questions, and then I didn't. But I wrote down the questions and I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to answer them. There's just a few and we're going to get into it. So the first one, somebody said, um, talk about the people you spontaneously admire and why this is an interesting question because it's different than just admiring people. It's spontaneously admiring people. I've never thought about it that way. I guess I guess that probably means, you know, you see somebody in the street or somebody you don't know very well, and just in that instant you admire them. Um, I wouldn't phrase it that way. Spontaneous admiration. Um, but I guess that could be a thing. Um, and I think for me... I admire when I see people that are just so so comfortable in their skin. You know, whether what whatever that means, maybe they're really eccentric, maybe they're kind of odd, but they're just comfy in it. They're just they're so themselves. And they and they don't there's an awareness you know, if they're a little weird, they know they're weird, but they don't care and they're not insecure about it. And they're not worried that their weirdness will rub people the wrong way or make them think less of them. They're just like, this is how I operate. And this is how I find joy. And so I'm doing it. And you see it in in such different ways because everyone's so different. You know, sometimes you see someone that just, uh, has weird little, like, idiosyncratic habits. Um, and you know that they know it's odd, but they don't care. And I like that. I admire that. Um, <laughs> like, here's an example. There's this guy at this, uh, I don't even remember what it was called, some sandwich place I went to one time. And he was a psycho. He basically, his goal was to memorize everyone that ever came in there what they got. For the sole purpose of, and that he would try to memorize their name. So all that so if somebody happened to come back, he would hopefully remember their name and what they ordered last time. Our guy could have gotten himself a a computer system (laughs) and maybe made this a little bit easier. So he just had notes and papers stacked up all over the place like a mad scientist. And it's kind of like, bro, this isn't a very efficient thing. And I, I mean, I didn't know how good his memory was. I didn't know how often people came back and he was like, salami on rye. But, um... Sure enough, he, he wrote down my order and then like, what well, and then he was like, well, what's your name? He's like, is this what you usually get? Is this what you like? Um, and then he like filed it away. <laughs> and, um, I should have gone back just to see, just to test him. But, um, the reason I admired that spontaneously, you might say, is because he just, like that's what he was passionate about. He loved his sandwiches. He loved his deli meat. He loved his shredded lettuce. Um he loved his assortment of mustards. And he loved he loved the people. He loved talking to people and trying to remember their names and I think there were some people on, in line before me that he was like it's uh it's Jenny, right? It's Jenny and, and you have and you like you like extra pickles huh <laughs> and that's what that's what freaking made him happy and i think he was the only one working there there might have been some punk teenager in the back folding baloney or whatever but um yeah that kind of that kind of confidence and moxie and just you know this this guy knows that he's Operating in a way that nobody else really operates. But he's found a system that works. Or maybe doesn't work. But he likes it. And, uh, and I admire that. Um, I'm sure there's lots of other things that I admire. Like when I see people walking down the street. And they do something kind. Kindness is something I admire. Because I think most of us have kindness within us and we're kind sometimes and we aspire to be kind but i think we could all be kind more than we are cuz we get so wrapped up in our own little heads and the little demons are swimming around and and they don't allow us to to be kind sometimes it's not that we're mean or hurtful it's just that we're kind of neutral you know we're not looking to help anybody we're just looking to freaking, you know, get our haircut, maybe get some lunch and get home and, and take a nap. And that's it for the day. And kindness isn't even on the radar. And, and like I said, it's not that we're being jerks or, you know, tearing people down. But sometimes when you don't look for kindness, you're, you're not going to find it. And So sometimes you see these small little acts of kindness on the street and it just, uh, it warms your heart. Um, the other day, I gave a homeless man a code red Mountain Dew, and it felt great, cause it was hot outside, and um, <laughs> I just had some pizza at this place, refilled my soda, and and left, and he's out there, you know, panhandling, and I just rolled down the window and said, "Bro, I, you want a drink? I don't have anything else." Um. He's homeless they they never take venmo, so that's kind of on them but um he he was like, "Oh, please, anything would be great and i said i I just refilled this I haven't even had a drink and and he's like oh that that'd be amazing and he just downed it um and and he might not even be a Mountain Dew guy, maybe he's more maybe he's more a Pepsi guy but uh but he was grateful so Kindness is something that uh, means a lot to me. something I admire in people. Um, One other thing... I'm I'm, I'm just thinking about like street people because you talk about spontaneity with admiration. Um, I admire couples that you can tell are just... They're just so in love. They're so in love. It's almost gross. And to some people... It is gross, but especially when you can tell they've been together a while. But they just—that flame is strong. And you know what it is—they're being silly. They're being goofy together. Um, they're teasing each other. They're they're cracking jokes. They're they're touching shoulders. They're they're poking each other in the nose. They're kissing each other on the chin. They're just just all manner of cuteness and, and it's not that like sappy romantic crap. It's that, it's that good romantic crap where they're not pretending anymore. They're not putting on a show. They're not in that honeymoon stage. They're just, they're just so in love that they can't act any other way. You know, it's like, it's like the opposite of when When you're pissed at somebody, you're in a disagreement or something, it's just, it's almost impossible to like act like you like that person or it's almost impossible to be in a good mood around them. But when these people are so in love, they just can't help it. And I admire that in a big way. Um, these next questions take a weird turn. Um, (laughs) my uh, my cousin's husband which i don't know if there's an official term for that i wanted to say cousin once removed but that's their kid i think um anyways my cousin's husband who's an awesome guy um but we don't talk that much just cuz we don't um i think he's such a cool dude but we don't talk that much But he asked, and I don't know if he was being serious or if this was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but he said um, he would like me to talk about the political and economic state of the world. Now, I'm no economist, and I'm no political pundit, but I will say this. I think people, especially these days with the proliferation of social media and... News, like news is just everywhere, whether you watch CNN or Fox or whatever, um, even if you don't technically watch news, you get news articles coming up on your phone all the time. You see people um, debating political issues. You see people um, arguing right versus left. You see all this crap, whether you want to or not, unless you're a hermit. And um, I think because of that, things things seem like they're just in the worst state they've ever been. Um, like, things couldn't get worse. And I think that was compounded by, um, you know, the COVID disaster. Um, people think Trump was the end of the world. And, wh- you know, whether you support him or not, it just wasn't. You know, whether he... <laughs> said some colorful things that you disagree with or not, it wasn't the end of the world. I, I'm here to tell you. Um, and I don't even want to get very political because I'm, I'm not really a political guy. Like, I like to stay apprised on things, but my opinion is usually that just because... Like, I just know I'm not going to really do anything about it. So what's the point of me having an extremely passionate stance on something I'm I'm just really not going to do anything about, you know, like there, you know, there are certain issues I'm more passionate about, um, you know, whether it's abortion or whatever, but I'm passionate in a way that I want to teach my kids, you know, this way or that way, or I want my spouse's beliefs to align with mine. I'm passionate that way. And if you ask my opinion, I'm, I might actually be passionate, but I'm not going to go try to affect litigation. I'm not going to go like research for days and hit up my local caucus and maybe I should, but I'm presently not. So the point of me having opinions that get me fired up and get me upset all the time, it seems really counterproductive, but, um, Anyway, I think ultimately the state of our nation, economically, politically, um, just in general, is not that bad. And again, I'm not an economist, so I won't really comment on things economically. I know the um, inflation's a drag. I know paying for expensive gas is a drag. But again, my opinion on gas prices is... I don't really care because either way I'm going to get gas, you know, um, if I really care, I guess I can get an electric car, but can't afford one right now. So in the meantime, I'm going to fill up my tank. So whether it's $2 a gallon or $6 a gallon, I still got to go places. So me watching like it go up $0.30 cents or down $0.50 cents doesn't change how often I get gas. So I don't really care. Um, same with inflation. And yeah, the people I vote for or support or whatever, I understand can affect these things. But I also don't live in a swing state. And so it's hard for me to care. Um, and maybe I'm part of the problem, but that's just where I stand. So I guess when I'm saying things are better than, than people make them out to be is I think people don't look at things through a historical lens. Like things have always been bad. (laughs) If you want to focus on the bad, you know, like our standard of living is much better 2022 than it has ever been. And there's less poverty in the world than there's ever been. And that's just a fact. Um, and so to act like we're just... Like you hear people talk about like, oh, things are so bad I would never bring a child into into the world. And it's like, okay, you know, you might have your reasons, but... I mean, what about bringing a, a child into the world in the 1800s? Like, a child might not even survive birth. So, there might not have been internet pornography back then. <laughs> there might not have been um, racial tensions on TikTok. But I promise you there were, you know, racial problems in the real world. And... uh Yeah, I just think it's silly to bemoan the present um, because we have a lot of things better than they've ever been. Which brings me to the next question. Um, Somebody asked me to talk about racism in America. Um, Now this is a tricky subject, right? But I'm not the kind of person that is of the belief that I have to walk on eggshells when I talk about race. Because I I shouldn't have to. Like, I'm just stating my opinions. And I I might want to walk on eggshells if I, like, was accidentally, like, I was worried about accidentally dropping the N-word or... Accidentally, like, revealing something heinous about myself. But I am not racist. And so anything I say that might be taken wrong um, just means it was taken wrong. So um, racism in America. The other thing that bugs me is when people think, like, a white person can't talk about Racial injustice, or like a man can't talk about women's rights. It's like (laughs) we might not experience things that you've been through. That doesn't mean we can't talk about it. We can't have an opinion on it. Like, holy cow! If we don't have a uterus, we don't have an opinion. Um. Okay, I guess. (laughs) I guess no more male doctors because they can't. You know, they can't have an opinion. On the uterus. um, Just women. So, same thing about race. It's like, just because I'm white and quote-unquote privileged, I can't talk about race? No. That's ridiculous. Um, and, and And this whole idea of white privilege, to me, is just kind of a fallacy. Like it's It's really too complicated to to just kind of talk about it briefly, but um, I don't believe in it I don't believe in white privilege um I think it's it's like that phrase in and of itself is overly reductive and offensive in a lot of ways um, and to me. <laughs> To me, that's not me like denigrating other races in any way or taking away from the history of their suffering in any way. But uh, people will disagree, which is fine. But um, racism in America, it's obviously exists. It's obviously an issue. It sucks. It's heartbreaking. Um, I haven't experienced it in any sense. Um, actually that's not true. I've had, um, people of of other races talk crap about white people nonstop. I guess the difference is I haven't been quote unquote oppressed. Um, although you could, you could argue that for my religious beliefs, my ancestors have been oppressed. in you know, in smaller, different ways. They weren't enslaved. Um, they were driven out of where they lived. Um, but, yeah, I've... Especially these last few years, it's like... You can be racist against white people because... They, <laughs> they used to be slave owners. Um, I never was, so... So that's a little hurtful. Um, I guess the main difference is it—you know—it doesn't really hurt me or affect my life. Um, I'm not one to be easily offended, but it's a double standard that I don't appreciate, and it's a little bit annoying. But um, yeah, I won't say I've been had zero racism directed towards me. It just hasn't really been personally hurtful. But um, zero is is quite the definitive number. So let's call a spade a spade. But um, with that being said, um, any racism is heartbreaking and tragic and there's no easy way to fix it or to address it in its entire scope. But I don't think it's as prevalent and quote-unquote systematic as the media would like us to think. Um, I've lived in a lot of places that aren't Utah with, you know, much higher percentages of African-Americans, of, of Mexicans, of, you know, various other races, and I just haven't seen it a lot, you know. I've, I've seen it a little bit. But, um, systematic, I don't know about that. You could argue it's systematic in in little pockets, in little places, and maybe some organizations, some systems. But as a whole, I just think, um, I think it's, it's, it's also dangerous to, to say that, um, in America there is systematic racism just as a blanket term. Um I think that's dangerous and again overly reductive. But um I don't want I don't I really don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> but uh but that's my opinion. Um and I know some people will hear this and they will think, "Wow, that was really insensitive or bigoted." Um but it wasn't. <laughs> so if you if you want to be offended, you'll you'll find a way. You really will find a way. Um, also, I think people forget the definition of the word bigot. You know, a bigot is somebody that is intolerable of someone else's beliefs, and you know, people that love to call other people bigots are usually also intolerable of their beliefs. You know, so chill out. Um, Yeah, I mean, I could pontificate on this a lot more, and it's not by any stretch of the imagination my area of expertise, but um, I think it's dangerous to make such heinous claims that supposedly apply to all people, you know, like calling anyone that's white racist. That's to me really dangerous. Um, that doesn't mean <laughs> it doesn't exist, but it's dangerous to, uh, to paint with such a broad brush, I believe. Um, so yeah, those were the questions. Um, Maybe not the rosiest of questions. Um, I like the first one. But um, let's get back to Greece. So ultimately, I think Greece is going to end up in my top six countries for sure. For sure my top six. I said in an Instagram post that it might be in top three, but I might have just been excited might have just been a really great Greek day I just had. But I'm not counting it out either. So here are my top six countries, um, not counting the United States. Because, again, I've lived here most of my life. Hard to really compare. Um, Plus, when you're talking about, like, an awesome country, a lot of it's novelty, right? Like, you go to Venice in Italy. And it's amazing because it's a city built on a canal and there are no cars and the alleyways are tiny and there's tiny little connecting little bridges everywhere. And, and it's so novel. So that's what makes it so beautiful. And not that the residents there don't love it, but they probably wouldn't put it at the top of their list. So novelty is big. So my top six countries that I have visited Um, in no particular order, are Brazil, Croatia, Poland, Italy, Greece, and Switzerland. All for different but similar reasons. Um, Like I said, a lot goes into it, but to me it's it's a combination of culture, of food, of geographical wonders, of, I was going to say the people, but I feel like There have been great people everywhere I've ever gone, ever. Um, I can't think of a place that, like, my experience was overwhelmingly negative with the people. So, um, let's see. Um, and for me, like, your experience is huge, too. It's like, what did you do when you were there? Um... And in Greece, we did a lot, you know, it was, I went on this tour essentially with, uh, with both my sisters and my brother-in-law and then, uh, you know, a handful of students. And so everything was planned out for us going to these archaeological sites and these geographical wonders and these historical sites, these museums. So we just crammed in a lot in a day. So it feels, and you know, we were in Greece for 10 days Which, besides Brazil, um, is the longest I've ever been to a place that I've visited. You know, I went to Switzerland for, I think, like three or four days. Croatia, I think, was two or three days. Poland, three or four days. Italy was maybe a week. Um, So, yeah, we saw a lot. And the food the food was really good and cheaper than I thought. Switzerland has amazing food, but it's really expensive um you know it's it's hard to compare with the cheese in Switzerland, the raclette, the um, the cheese fondue, the bread um, but man, we had some amazing Savlaki and um euros and the meat. Almost everywhere, wind was great. Um, the feta cheese—they have feta cheese with every meal, and these these Kalamata olives with every meal, and it makes me so happy. Um, and the euros are so good. Um, and maybe you call them gy- gyros or heroes or whatever, but you're wrong. Um, actually, you're not wrong. I think that's one of those words you look up, and it says euro or hero or gyro. Um, but everyone there called them euros. So I'm sticking with that from now on. Um, what else? Oh, dude, I had, uh, I don't want to get overly excited here, but I feel like I may have had the best pizza I've ever had in my life. And I consider myself quite the pizza connoisseur You know, I'm no Dave Portnoy, but I've had a lot of pizza from a lot of different places. And I've freaking been to Italy. I've eaten a lot of, like, I went with two buddies to Italy for like a week, like I said, and I feel like about half the time they ordered pasta, and I feel like I just got pizza every time. Because it was so good. And every place was a little bit different, but it was just, you know, it it was similar. You know, that Italian style, but... Oh, it was so good. So I just ordered it every day. And it wasn't because it's so thin. It wasn't crazy filling. And because they don't do refills on soda, um, you know, you pay freaking five euros for a tiny eight-ounce can of Coke. And so um, you don't fill up as fast. But anyway, um, we had this pizza at, <laughs> ironically, an Italian place. Um, I think it was called La Piazza, and it was so good. It was so good, and I might have just been so hungry, and I might have crazy recency bias, because I haven't been to Italy for like five years. But oh, it was it was amazing. It was amazing, and it was insanely cheap. So I can't stop thinking about that pizza. And there's baklava everywhere we went, but I'm not a sweets guy. So um anyways um Greece was great. It was great to just get away. Um I just love traveling so much and when I'm when I haven't been anywhere Anywhere new in a long time, I get kind of fidgety. I get kind of... I don't know, I just... It's easy to feel like your life's in a rut, I think especially when you're single, because, you know, even if things are are rough or going bad, like when you have a family, when you have a a spouse and kids, like, you come home and, and that brings you joy, and that brings you purpose, and when you're single, you just don't really have that, you know, you, you might have hope, you you might have a girlfriend, you might have something, but ultimately you're just living for yourself, which can feel really vacuous, um, and so, yeah, I, I sometimes just feel a little bit rudderless when I haven't been somewhere new in a while, and, you know, people love to call that wanderlust, um, but, Whether it's that, or just, like, (laughs) general life ADD, not being able to sit still, Um, I don't know, but it was really good to get away, and, yeah, I was on social media and stuff, but mostly, most days, I would just turn my phone on airplane mode, and, like, hop on stuff for a little bit at night when I go back to the hotel, because... Like, I had service and stuff, but you're taking so many pictures because you're going to so many cool places, and you're up early, and you're out late. So, like, your phone's going to die if you're just texting all day or checking Instagram or TikTok. So, like I said, I just threw it on airplane mode and didn't worry about crap until the night, and I loved it, man. I wish I could do that more often, and I, of course, can. But when I'm home, I feel like... I can't do that because somebody might like invite me to lunch or somebody might say, Hey, you want to go, uh, you know, hit the links. Do you want to go shoot some hoops? Heaven forbid a cute girl wants to hang out with me. Like I can't have my phone on airplane mode. Um, but I could avoid the apps. Darn it. I could stay off Instagram and TikTok and all the soul sucking apps. Um, and still, you know, check them, check them at night before I go to bed. Whatever. 15 minutes. Check them while I'm on the john. Um, while I'm waiting in lines. Like, But, man, I waste a lot of time on those stupid applications. Makes me mad. Makes me sad, too. Um, it was so invigorating to just disconnect a little bit. Like, it sounds silly because I still had my phone in my pocket at all times. I still check stuff periodically, and would, uh, scroll a little bit at night, but, and I posted a ton, because I, I like posting cool pictures for my trips, but, um, so it probably looked like I was on Instagram all the time, but really, I was just, you know, posting all my stories at night, or, or when we had service, or whatever, but, um, so it sounds silly, because I didn't fully disconnect, but, um, It was good to kind of get away a little bit, Um, and people always ask what was your what was your favorite part of the trip, and that's tough because man, it was so good to just be with my sisters, Uh, my younger sister, never really been out of the country. Um, She's just a couple years younger than me. She's got three kids. Um, I think she went to the Bahamas on her honeymoon. Maybe it was Mexico. Um, She might have squeaked into Canada, but really hasn't traveled internationally. So that was awesome for her. It was cool to kind of experience that with her. Um, Some of the students we were with were so awesome and were just young and enthusiastic. and, And... And they, sorry, phone stopped recording. That's great. Um, iPhone storage is full. Thank you, Greece. Um, But yeah, they were so excited. And I think most of them, it was their first time traveling internationally. So it's fun to just see that with people and experience that together so the people make a big difference when you're traveling you know I, I mean I would have fun traveling by myself but traveling with people you love and you care about and that have similar sensibilities as you it just makes it so so enjoyable so a lot of my favorite parts were you know joking around at dinner and stacking empty glass coke bottles and My sister worrying that they're going to fall and my other sister laughing and my brother-in-law giggling and, um, you know, all these little inside jokes that were made along the way and all these little things that you just kind of had to be there for. Um, but then like, dude, I explored this old abandoned world war II vessel in the sea. There's still just chilling there in the sea. In, um in Thessaloniki Thessaloniki I think that's how you said Thessaloniki which by the way such an amazing cool city Thessaloniki um you ever read the Bible Thessalonica's okay you get it but um yeah that was cool um going up and seeing these ancient freaking monasteries in these gorgeous, gorgeous mountains, um, seeing Delphi, you know, the oracle of Delphi, seeing, um, just ruins and pillars in the middle of a vibrant, vibrant city. You know, it was all, it was all awesome and amazing. And I highly recommend it to anyone who wants to travel. Um, And I didn't even go to, I think a lot of people, when they go to Greece, they go to um, Santorini and Mykonos and a lot of these islands. Um, And they're, you know, they have good pictures, good photo ops there. And I'm sure it'd be fun to go there. We just didn't, you know, that wasn't on our agenda. But, um, I really enjoyed my trip and, and the way we did it and... I think those places are kind of like the Vegas and Miami of, of Greece. And, you know, I don't, I don't drink. I don't really party. You might find me in a club, but I'm literally just there to like meet girls, but it's hard to meet girls in a club when you don't drink and you don't dance. (laughs) So you just like try to look mysterious and attractive and, um, you just tell people you're sober (laughs) That's the only, that's the only way people that drink respect a non-drinker. Is if you tell them you're sober, you can't just say, "Oh, I don't drink." Um, then you're just a weird pariah. But um, anyway, the trip was amazing. I'm happy to be back on the pod. Forty-four episodes. I would I honestly would have liked to have been in like the one twenty range by now. Because um, I want to be doing weekly episodes, but I'm just not. It's pissing me off. But um, I don't want to say I'm going to do it, because I, I might not. But I, I really want to, because I enjoy it. Um, and, you know, if there's things you want to hear me talk about or discuss or get into... Or if you want to be on the pod, I I might not have you because I might not think you're especially interesting or provocative. But um, hit me up. Maybe we'll do it. Could be fun. Anyways, I appreciate you guys' patience still listening to me after my hiatus. Um, But 44, that's pretty good. That's my lucky number. So there's got to be a good pod. Anyways, I love you guys, and uh, we'll see you later.